Hello, my name is Roger Moffat. I'm an iPhone developer with MindSizzlers, and this is the presentation I gave at the London iPhone Developer Group meeting on Wednesday, the 6th of October. And uh, apologies for my voice because I've got a bit of a cold this week. So, what we were talking about was performance tuning for iPhone and iPad. And this is kind of a scarily big topic, really. So, first of all, I'd like to cover a few of the things that actually I'm not going to be talking about. I'm not going to talk about 3D gaming, uh, OpenGL, vector floating point, inline assembler, all the really cool optimizations you can do for sort of hardcore math work. Um, this is going to be a bit more of an introduction to things. I'm not going to talk about battery performance, which of course for a mobile device is really quite key. Uh, particularly with iOS 4 and you know applications going into the background, you want to be really sensitive to what you're doing, um, particularly with core location. Um, because people can get a bit knocked off if your application is the one that they think is draining their battery. I'm not going to cover memory performance in detail. Um, I'm going to touch on it a little bit later on, but it's not really core to this presentation. I'm also not going to cover foundation class performance. Some of the uh, Cocoa Framework libraries and things, you kind of need to know that some of them aren't perhaps as quick as you might think, um, and there are sort of techniques for, for working around that. But that's really beyond the scope of this presentation. So given that's what I'm not going to be covering, what actually am I going to be covering? Um, and in particular, what do we mean by performance? Are we talking about making code run as fast as possible? And as you've probably guessed, actually that's not really the key. Um, but we are going to touch on that a bit. Is it about asynchronous network use? Well, I kind of hope that we're all doing that already. Maybe it's about caching. Caching Traditionally, it's used on the web backend, but it can be really important for client-side code as well. Are we going to be talking about multi-threading? Well, actually, no, but it's a useful technique, obviously, to have in your armory. And what about frames per second? Uh, well, that's kind of a gaming technique, so we're not going to be talking about it. But obviously, be aware that you know graphics performance is, uh, is kind of key. At the end of the day, performance from an iPhone perspective is all about a slick user experience. That's what users have come to, to know and love about the iPhone and iPad. How fast your code is actually rarely matters, which is kind of an important statement. You know, if you go back to the uh, bad old days of computing, um, I started off writing games for Sinclair Spectrum, Commodore 64, and that sort of thing. Uh, and actually, your code had to be quite quick. Um, it, it was a big issue. These days, you know, the mobile devices are pretty quick, uh, they're event-driven, it kind of spends most of its time handling the UI, waiting for input, and your code's not that important. Um, well, that's not quite true, as we'll see, but how fast your code is rarely matters. How fast your users think it is always does. It's all about user perception, um, and that's quite important to, to remember that, because it, it helps us use a few tricks um, so that users think things are happening maybe a bit quicker than they really are. Okay, so how do we get that slick user experience on iPhone and iPad? I would say there are a few key things to focus on. Launch quickly, persist state, kind of known as fast application switching, and maybe with iOS 4 this is, is less important than it was, but hey, there's still an awful lot of iOS 3 devices out there, so let's not forget it. And a responsive UI. Above all, a responsive UI is what we're looking for. And maybe, just maybe, we'll need to optimise some code. So let's have a look at launching. Try to do something visual while you're actually setting up your app. One of the things I really hate is you launch an app and it sits there for 10 seconds on the splash screen 
um, not actually doing anything useful. And then finally, you see an interface. Um, that's really not ideal. And there are a few things we can do about that. Let's take a look at a typical launch sequence. We launch our app. The default ping stays on screen. It stays on screen. And then eventually, we get our user interface. Now, if you've got a, an app where you can actually get from launch into your main application within, say, one to three seconds, you should really follow Apple's advice and have um, your first uh, default PNG kind of looking like an empty interface so that uh, it, you know, the user perceives that the app's launching really quickly. Um, but sometimes things take a little bit longer to set up. Uh, with my app, The Golden Hour, it takes maybe five to, sec five to seven seconds to, to set everything up. But we want that to look relatively smooth. So here's a technique you can use for that. As before, we launch the app with a default PNG, but as soon as we can, we actually create our own view uh, and put the same image up. We haven't done any of the other setup at this point, and that's really important because we can now defer that onto another thread. But now that we've got our own image on screen, we can do something with that. It could be as simple as having a nice UI activity indicator or, you know, we could do something a little bit slicker, a bit more advanced. It kind of depends on how long you need the user to wait around. And remember, on a mobile device, they won't wait forever. One of the other really nice things about this technique is that rather than the default PNG having to cut into your first uh, view controller, you can do a nice transition. You can do a fade, you can do a little zoom and fade. You can kind of make the whole transition from launching the app to the app being ready uh, appear to be smoother because something's happening all of the time. While we're talking about launching, loading screens. Oh, I hate loading screens. Now, games accepted where you're loading, you know, maybe an awful lot of data, building up uh, game environments and things. But at the end of the day, they're not really very user-friendly. Um, I see an awful lot of these on newspaper apps, and really they could be doing a bit better. Expect network delays when you're building your app. Um, you know, when people are out and about on 3G or edge networks, things don't happen that quickly, and so you, you need to be sensitive to that while you're developing. Don't test on Wi-Fi, I'm sure we all know this as well. Um, gives you a really false idea as to what real-world use of your app is going to be. The solution to this, cache your previous content. So that when the user launches the app, you show them what they were looking at before, and then as new content comes in, make it available. And preferably, please, do that without slapping a loading screen over everything, so that you, know, you draw the user's eye away from what they were actually looking at. It's a bit more hard work, but it's well worth doing. So loading screens, don't go there. Let's have a look at navigation persistence. I'm only going to touch on this briefly. This is the whole fast application switching, um, so that when you quit your app, wherever you are, a uh, user does something else, and then they come back. They come back to your app where they were before, or at least very close to it. I really just want you to draw your attention to the 320 URL maps. Um, there's a URL for it, um, a sample of how it might be used. Effectively, it lets you refer to your view controllers as a URL. And the nice thing about this is that there are uh, other methods for persisting the whole URL stack uh, when your app terminates. And conversely, restoring it when the app launches again. It kind of takes all the heavy lifting away from you on this. You don't need to worry about it. Um, and it works a treat. Now onto the crux of it. We need a responsive UI. So how do we get that? First thing that really you should all know, don't block the main thread. Uh, this is where all the UI work happens on the iPhone and iPad. So if you sit there doing an expensive calculation, blocking the main thread, then your scrolling performance will suffer, things will be a bit stuttery. It's just not a great idea. 
Perform selector after delay really can be your friend on this. Um, you might be doing uh, an awful lot of little things that, when taken together, actually do block the, uh, the main thread a bit. So use perform selector after delay, with a delay of zero, just to put them into a queue on the run loop so that the iPhone can concentrate on the UI and still do your work, but it kind of gives the UI much more of a look in. Um, it's kind of a bit like using yield on uh, Java devices. Um, it's not quite the same, but it kind of gives you a similar benefit. NS operation queue is really useful for something a bit more chunky. I'm going to talk about that in a little bit. And obviously background threads, if you've got much more intensive mathematical stuff going on, uh, background threads can be great. Let's have a little look at NS operation queue. Kind of, I used this recently in a situation where the user's taken a photograph and we needed to crunch uh, quite a small JPEG from that. And that was, on older devices, that was taking a bit too long. So what we did is we fired that off into a, an invocation, uh, operation queue. Ah, sorry, that's a, a break for coughing. So what you can do, we can take our expensive process method, give it the source object, um, create an invocation operation, and then add that into an operation queue. And effectively, the iPhone is going to schedule that on another thread. Uh, and you can get notifications as to when it's finished and all that sort of stuff. Um, I really just wanted to mention that NS operation queue is a great way of doing sort of, you know, more heavy uh, operations when you don't want to interrupt the main thread. But my code needs to be faster. Well, maybe it does. First things first, golden rule. Always measure before you start optimizing code. Um, otherwise, you'll just waste weeks uh, optimizing something and then discover there's a much neater solution and you could have saved an awful lot of time and money. So let's assume we've got a benchmark. We can do that with instruments. And instruments has got two really great tools um, that you may not have come across if you just use it for leak detection and memory analysis. First one is Time Profiler, which is really great because it shows you where your application is actually spending most of its time. Um, and that can lead to some surprises. The one I actually want to talk about, though, a little bit more depth, is Core Animation. So when you use the Core Animation uh, plugin for um, instruments, you get these debug options, color blended layers, clear copied, sorry, color copied images, etc. Kind of when I first saw this, I thought, what on earth does this do? Well, hook up your device, or indeed the simulator, and what you'll see is that it will turn a screen like this, where maybe I've got uh, these little suns showing where the sun is in the sky during the day. If I use color misaligned images, it turns into this. And what it's doing is it's highlighting regions of the screen, in this case, where basically input pixels doesn't equal output pixels. So effectively you're stretching something. Now in this case, if this was, say, uh, an audio uh, waveform, and you're animating this, this could be a problem because actually each of those suns is being scaled down every time from an original image. And it, hey, it would be much quicker, given that they don't change size, um, for actually the graphic to be the right size to start with, or to use another technique for making sure you're not uh, doing scaling. Let's take a look at another one. This one's great, color blended layers. So in this case, green is good, red is bad. What it's doing, it's showing me the opaque layers in green and, you know, the graphics processing unit likes opaque layers. It can splat them on screen, doesn't have to calculate any blending modes. It's really quick. Anything that's blended, where you've got alpha transparency, takes a little bit longer. And you can look at a screen like this and actually you can discover quite a few performance issues. For example, my compass background is being blended 
over a black background. It really doesn't need to be, you know, the graphic, given it's over black, uh, could just sort of have the black there. It could be an opaque image. Um, and it's also showing that the labels, um, which have got rounded corners, are being blended as well. And actually, given that when they fit inside the uh, other area, they could also be opaque. Um, it's also just point. So it's just pointing us in the area of things that could be better. Final one, quickly to look at, is color off-screen rendered yellow. So this is scenarios where the iPhone needs to render some stuff off-screen before putting it into the main view. Um, in this case, it's because I've got uh, rounded corners on these particular labels, and they don't need to be because they're kind of transparent. Um, Again, you get a performance hit on that. So for this particular app, none of this was really a big issue. But if this was game-oriented, this will all soak up processor cycles. And it's, it's just really useful to find out uh, where things can be made better. Okay, quick tip on UI image. Uh, yeah, I see a lot of people using UI image image named, and that's great. Except, if you're using it for anything other than GUI elements, you can find that you start running into memory problems, because actually the system caches all of that for you. Um, Apple's current advice is use UI image image named for GUI elements. Kind of for everything else, use UI image image with contents of file. The performance of that is now really good, um, and it just saves you all of these memory and uh, caching problems that you can run into. Okay, what about code? We need it to be faster. Well, let's take a little look. First of all, what have we got in the toolbox uh, in terms of, you know, we've got some code, we want to make it quicker. Look at approximation. Um, this comes out of, I suppose, gaming quite a lot, but in other areas as well. If you're doing a lot of math, then often you get the accurate result uh, quite slowly, but you can get approximations. There are lots of formula for this a lot quicker. Uh, it's a good technique. Look at the algorithm you're using. We've all come across bubble sort versus quick sort, but there are lots of other areas as well where you know, your choice of algorithm is actually quite important. Beyond that, though, try and step back and look at the approach you're taking to solving the problem. Um, you know, sometimes you can't see the wood for the trees, and it's really important to try and just step back and think about what your program is trying to do. If you do need to sort of eke every ounce of performance out of something, look at pre-calculating values, particularly if they're expensive. Uh, to calculate. So pre-calculate them once, store them somewhere, and then use them uh, on demand. Also be aware of thumb. What's thumb I hear you say? Well, on the older devices, uh, ARM 6 in particular, basically you have two instruction sets. You've got the thumb set and you've got uh, the full ARM set. Now the thumb set is smaller uh, and quicker for most things other than floating point. Um, it's more compact code. But the thing is that thumb is actually on by default. Um, if you're doing an awful lot of floating point stuff on uh, iOS 3 devices, then turning thumb off can make a significant difference, uh, maybe even as much as 40-50%. will make your code larger, but it can make floating point an awful lot quicker. Um, you can also do this um, as a pragma, pragma arm, pragma thumb, to turn, turn it on and off uh, for individual parts of your code. You can do it on a per file basis. Uh, and as somebody pointed out at the uh, LIDG meeting, um, actually on iOS 4, um, you can I believe you don't need to do this or it'll switch uh, backwards and forwards easier. Um, I haven't actually looked up a reference for that yet, but do be aware there is a difference on the more recent ARM 7 devices. 
So let's have a little, little look at a real-world example. Um, this is a screen from GoldenR, and there's a slider at the bottom that the user can slide up and down to change the day of the year. Now, problem with that is that actually in my slider action uh, method, it's doing expensive calculations. Uh, it's doing quite a lot of calculations, and I'm going to walk you through uh, a way of solving that. Not with the actual calculations, because they're beyond the scope of this really, but with a very similar issue. Imagine that you know we're doing uh, for i equals zero through a very big number, you know, tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands, and we're calculating the distance. This, in this case, the two D distance between two points, and this is a standard formula for it, and it uses square root. Now the thing about square root, it's actually quite expensive as an operation because it's iterative; it needs to converge to a solution. Um, and if we measure this, because our golden rule, always measure before we start optimizing code. So we'll measure it, you know, maybe just chuck a loop in and do 10 million of them and see how long it takes. Um, don't just do one or two, because you'll get errors in timing or the numbers will be so small they really don't make much sense. But always start uh, by measuring. Let's look at approximating using that sort of tool from our toolbox. And this is some code that approximates uh, square root. It kind of uses part of the Taylor series for um, uh, approximating this gives you an answer to within about 10%. It's integer math. Uh, it's heavily optimized, so trying to debug this would be quite tricky if you got it wrong. Um, how much quicker is it? Well, on an iPhone 3GS, it's 46% faster. So all that code is actually 46% faster than doing the square root. Hey, great. But what about the algorithm? What about if we're actually just doing a comparison? That's why we're calculating the distance between two points, and that could be a common thing to want to do. What if we just compared the distance squared? I mean, that'll give us the comparison result. Um, and that's going to be an awful lot quicker, isn't it? Well, on iPhone 3GS, it's 82% faster. So that's quite a hefty gain. But what if we looked at the approach? Well, what problem are we trying to solve here? We've got this uh, method inside our slider action. Um, and, you know, every time you move, then it's getting called. Well, one way of solving that is to use our old friend perform selector after delay. So let's put a quarter of a second delay in. But then before it, let's cancel the previous uh, perform. So that basically, as you're moving the slider, it's going, right, cancel uh, the perform that was there before, and I set up a new one for a quarter of a second. So as long as you're moving uh, the slider, it's not going to be performing this particular code. And then when you take your finger off and you pause for a fraction of a second, then it will get done. Um, now, that's an awful lot easier to, to do than any of the approximation or you know thinking, scratching your head over an algorithm. Um, so Stepping out and thinking of the approach is a really good way of solving these sort of problems. Okay, as I said at the meeting, um, I kind of didn't put this in for jokey effect. Uh, I was working on the presentation a few weeks ago, and I put this photo in to talk about something you know particularly relevant. Unfortunately, I didn't make a note as to what it was. Um, so when I came back to the presentation to finish it off, I've got absolutely no idea why we have this cat with a hat. Um, but I quite liked the picture, so I left it in. Okay, so finally, let's have a little look at uh, kind of my top 10 tips for performance tuning. Don't block the main thread. Uh, perform selector after delay is your friend. And, you know, don't block the main thread really is kind of number one. Well, number zero, because we're computer scientists, we start from zero. Show cached content rather than the loading screen. You know, the user is much prefer to see what they were looking at before, um, rather than the 38 loading screen that sort of says, well, 
you know, you have to wait until I get you something. Use the network asynchronously, and NSURL connection is uh, the way to do that. For heavier lifting, look at NS Operation Queue. It's kind of a great lightweight way of doing some heavy processing in the background and then communicating that back to your main thread. For persisting navigation state, um, you know, fast application switching, consider 320's TT Navigator class. Measure before you even think of optimising. Um, and always on the device. If you start measuring on the simulator, you're likely to be in for a bit of a disappointment. Review your approach before the algorithm, before optimising. You know, premature optimization is bad. You'll spend an awful lot of time. Uh, it's hard to debug, and often the solution just lies elsewhere. If you really do need more speed, look at approximating, look at pre-calculating, or caching. Well, suppose calculate, pre-calculate and cache are very similar. Um, pre-calculate when you've got a lot of uh, stuff that you know you can actually calculate in advance, maybe even outside of the application, uh, and store it ready for use. Caching can be very useful if you've got a quite a complicated uh, method that's taking lots of parameters. Often you find that inside the method it's generating some values that you know, rely on different combinations of the inputs. And often in various loops you'll discover that actually maybe two of the inputs aren't changing, uh, and one of them is. And so you only actually need to maybe be doing half of the work inside the method, or even a third of the work. Um, this is particularly relevant in a lot of astronomical calculations, but just sort of caching local results so that when the inputs come in, you can look at what's changed and then decide what you actually need to do and use the values from before can make a big difference. For heavy floating point uh, on older devices, consider compiling with thumb off. And do learn how to use instruments for profiling. That really is very important. OK, and finally, some photo credits for the people that were kind enough to let me use their images uh, under a Creative Commons license. And a pointer that for further reading, watching and listening, the WWDC 2010 session videos 135 and 147 on advanced performance optimization are really good and also it's pointed out at the LIDG meeting on Wednesday that there are other videos on uh, core graphics optimization in particular. Additional topics to consider are, you know, I mentioned that I wasn't going to cover them in, in this particular presentation, they are important, uh, memory performance, battery performance which is particularly relevant for mobile devices and foundation class performance uh, and that's it. Thank you very much for listening.